Caitlin. M. <laughs> you know how I like to start with your full name. <laughs> Only time I ever use your full name is when we're recording these podcasts. And just so everyone knows, I really only do it so you can be reminded of whose voice is whose. You know, sometimes I'll listen to these and you don't know? I don't know. I'm like, oh, is that, is that Kate or is that me? Most of the time within like three words, I know, but sure. sometimes I kind of like know. that. I, I mean, you know, we're, sometimes people can call it. We are our individual people. We are very different, but people can interchange us and I won't care. When I was younger. Mm-hmm. And uh, our phone would ring like at our house. Could have been, I try to think if this was before my sister and I got our own phone line that we shared. It doesn't really matter, but you know, probably before caller ID, maybe a little bit into caller ID for those of you that remember what that is. Um, My sister and I, we sound, we can sound a lot of like, we have the same sort of cadence cadence and tone, but we do say certain things differently. And so I would answer the phone and, (laughs) And try and sound like her. So if I knew someone was calling that I didn't want to talk to, or if I didn't know who it was and I wanted to see first, I would answer it in a hello. Oh, I thought this was going to go the other way. You're saying that you did that so that somebody calling for you didn't know it was you. Yes. But I thought you were going to pretend to be your sister with whoever she was talking to and like get some like good, like older. No, but <laughs> had I thought about that when I was 12, 13 years old, may have tried to do that. But no, I would answer as her. So then I could decide whether or not I wanted to talk to the person that was calling. You know, that's one of the more nefarious things that it really uh, you've is. Told me it that doesn't you've done. really sound like something that I would do, but no. I definitely, uh, you know, sometimes I must've been before caller ID because I definitely probably did it. And I like, Oh, sure. I don't know who's calling. Maybe I don't want to talk to this person. Right. And I could easily say, I'm sorry, she's not here. <laughs> and they had no idea. Oh my God. Right. I'm so wild. Sneaky. So <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I don't think, well, actually you and I do sometimes you call as not, each other oh, in case somebody was calling that you did want to talk to. Cause my part of my brain was like, why didn't you just not answer the phone? But yeah. Somebody may have been calling that you did want to talk to. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Now I, we're not going to do this. I, I want to know like all the different people that you would be avoiding, but let, let's not do it because like, they may be listening. I know. Right? <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure those three people growing up that I didn't want to talk to are definitely listening right now. Um, but yeah, you and I, I guess sometimes you will call and pretend to be me, but it's usually if you're trying to rebundle my internet package. Oh yeah. I did do that. Internet and phone I did, and cable at one point, but no phone now. Um, or like the bank or sometimes they need some financial information approved. And like, we are the same person, but I know. It's sometimes under <laughs> somebody else's name. When I'm and... trying to do stuff with our bank account, I'm like, but I need to talk to Caitlin. I'm like, fine. Hold on one Hold second. Hold on one second. <laughs> and then I probably use my Elizabeth voice. That's my sister. Sure. Probably use her voice when I talk, just so it sounds a little different. A little different. Yep. yep. I used to have a boss that would answer his own phone and pretend to be his own assistant. Oh, I definitely, well, I think actually I, he wasn't my boss. He just worked in the neighbor neighboring office. Well, I definitely have friends. I feel like you may have done this once or twice. Oh, I definitely Where you this. call as an assistant to like make reservations yeah. somewhere. It's because I learned as an assistant that it is easier to ask for things for other people than for yourself. Yes. That was to get something done. His was like a, hi, you've reached you know, so-and-so's office. Oh, hold one, please. I'll get him. And then we'll put it on hold and then we'll pick it back up and like be himself. And I could hear it all. It was really funny. (laughs) You guys, people are funny. People are funny. Maybe I'll start emailing people as my assistant. Oh, 
That's still that's I a know, lot of work. Kind of dumb. It's a lot too. of work. You just dumb. I don't know why I just went there. No, you just went help. Forget that idea. Terrible uh, idea. Emily's not the emailer. I I am your assistant. In that case. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> Who's helping us plan our LA trip? <laughs> like who's uh, coordinating my life? Uh, what are we releasing today? We're releasing a micro chat, a fireside Ooh. chat. Ooh. There um, was a fireplace. There was no fire in it, but there no, was a fireplace. Probably. I wonder. No, probably not. Whether or not they're they, good. I don't <laughs> think that, I don't think you can put, you can start a fire in the Driscoll. That seems very dangerous. <laughs> uh, but, but it is a glad fireside chat with 911 Lone Star actor, Brian Michael Smith. Woo-hoo. And my dear friend. Alex Schmitter from Glad. Schmitter like Twitter. I know. I did. As we were walking to the micro panel, I was like, um, I should know this. And you're a dear friend. Schmitter, Schmider, Schmitter. I remember it from virtual. Like I, you know him better. And I am more like, it's Alex Schmitter like Twitter. Like, it just is like, it rings and that is his full name to me. <laughs> Alex Schmitter like Twitter from Glad. Um, but I'm pretty sure. I probably shouldn't out him for this, but like he's on 911 Lone Star. For those that don't know, that is a 911 show that is set in Texas, maybe Austin, but it is not filmed in Austin. Brian Michael Smith never been to Texas before until now. I believe that was true. I believe that is true. And he had Topo Chico and he had a like, uh, don't mess with trans, but looks like don't mess with Texas mm-hmm. t shirt. Yep. And we got him cornucopia popcorn and some queso. And I mean, he, he, he rolled around in the Austin, Texas of it all. And I'm very proud of that. He was having a great time. And especially because the thing that I love so much about him coming, he could only come for a very short amount of time, which is why this panel was on, this chat was on Sunday. Sunday. And it was because Sunday is a great day and nobody should avoid it. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm sometimes people think that Sunday is a day that no, Sunday's the, the day where we're all scrubs was on Sunday. Like there's lots of food and drinks. At you're Sunday, like, you're just basking in how great the weekend has been. You correct. don't want to go home. So correct. you're holding tight to anything. Um, sometimes there are tears. Sometimes I feel like there were tears in this chat. Sometimes there's a party on the balcony with sparkling wine from lifetime celebrating flowers in the attic. I mean, don't you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen with Harry Hamlin, just hanging out in the middle of it. He was so chill. (laughs) Anyway, there were tears in this conversation. But yeah, um, Brian came in, I mean, for such a short amount of time, which I love so much. And I'm so grateful to Alex and glad for helping make this happen Mm -hmm. because I think for a number of reasons that people may or may not be aware of, um, I think it's incredibly important that we are having focused transgender issue topics in Texas, in Texas. even more in Texas That's what I, yeah. right now. Very yes. specifically, we were proud to be a Texas event and we were proud. Some people are, this is like probably a very big debate, but I feel like there's a lot of people I hear, particularly people in the industry, particularly people from California that are like not coming to Texas for this reason, like travels, like, cause they're supporting a very good cause, but like, they're not traveling to the state. They're not doing work in the state. They're not coming to have conversations. And I personally, as people who know lots of Texans that don't like what's going on in our state or like want to get involved and want to amplify voices and tell stories it's sad to me that you're that it's just being cut out of the conversation versus like coming and having them that's not how I believe change happens so I love that they weren't like oh we're not going to Texas that's where 
things are happening that are not good for us. Instead, they came and had a conversation here. And I am very happy for that. Me too. Me too. It was, we in all of our programming make it a huge goal. Like we're not just a, let's have a panel on transgender issues and then that's it. Mm -hmm. And we move on with life. We definitely are very um, specific and work really hard to make sure there's things like this. And we're just going to, because this is about transgender representation, talk specifically about that, but that we have transgender representation on many panels, Mm -hmm. a number of different panels where that's not the topic of the panel at all. And that's incredibly important to us because I feel like that is how real change happens is you're sitting in a panel and that's not the point of the panel at all. Obviously that comes into whatever the panelists are talking about and whatever their, um, uh, experience has been obviously comes through that lens, but what the topic is, is about something completely different, which is how we feel about all different types of people, be it obviously race, gender, sexuality, but also it's what, how we try to do our topical panels in general. Like I remember this is so different, but like us putting animators, like people who make animated shows mm-hmm. on like a drama converse, like it was a drama type or a comedy panel, whatever it was, but mixing up the types of people on a panel and the types of background is like, that is what, when we say diversify, like that's what we, or diversity, like that's what we want on a panel. It's just not five of the same people, be it race, gender, sexuality, or be it background or role on the show. Like we talk so often with networks and studios when we do a series representation to not just have seven actors, to have writers and directors and producers and music supervisors. Cause like, that's just a more interesting conversation. And what you're talking about is like the heightened level of it, but like, those are the conversations that we want to have. So that's our point of view. Yes. And so that was really important to us across the board with programming. But I do think coming back to this one um, and talking to Alex again, the fun part about Alex, my friendship with him is we met during the pandemic virtually. We sat on a panel, not an ATX panel. It was a panel um, actually for ACLU for a big student uh, conference that they have every summer, which was really cool. Met, hit it off, wanted to work together. So formed this virtual friendship over the past couple of years and then met for the first time in person at South by Southwest and was just like, couldn't have just like felt more normal mm-hmm. in a way that is always fun. And we've talked a little bit about this festival and how meeting people in person for the first time. So this was not the first time Alex and I met in person, but it was, I guess the second <laughs> and, um, but just like in his first time at the festival as well. And he just like, obviously fit right in. I mean, it ended with a lunch in the green room with Leslie Linka Glatter and more importantly, no offense, Leslie, a cornucopia popcorn tasting contest. Oh yeah. Because for people that don't know about cornucopia popcorn, the, I'm going to say arguably the best flavor. I would say arguably it's not my favorite, but it is the one that is more unanimously people's favorite is the dill pickle. Mm -hmm. And uh, people don't want to try it because they think that they're not going to like it. And there's something about it that sounds weird. And then they try it and they love it. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not their favorite, but they do. It is very good. It is very good. There was also some sort of Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero oh. tasting thing that also happened as well, yeah. where they were pouring it into little cups, trying it's to very figure sanitary. out. 
yeah, it was all very COVID friendly. Um, little cups, people tasting different versions of Coke and figuring out one, if they could tell the difference, I which like I could tell the difference. You can definitely tell the difference. Um, but also deciding which was better. I can't really remember the result of all of these tastes. Topo tests. Chico. Topo Chico wins. It's also a Coca-Cola product. There you go. All ties together. Well done. Um, but yes, but this was a beautiful conversation that did have some tears. It was really important to us to have this specific conversation during the festival this year. And uh, we have two new family members because of it. We do. Enjoy. Brian, I want to start first by saying thank you for being here and for your work. And I would love to hear from you. You know, 911 Lone Star obviously takes place in Austin. Paul is from Texas. We are experiencing Chicago, Chicago excuse me. Um, <laughs> but the station is yes, in Texas. Yes, yes. Um, re- I, I would love to hear from you what it's like being here and having the show take place in this state and sort of what's going on? How how are you reconciling or really moving through the complicated nature of all this? I think that's an excellent, excellent question. First of all, thank you all for having me here. This is like, I'm just blown away by the size of the festival and just everything that's going here, just how many people are here who love TV. I grew up in front of the TV. I was a latchkey kid, so this is like, (laughs) it's almost like a homecoming. I'm like, this is amazing. It's TV heaven. So I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad that you're kind of fellowshipping with me here. And, um, I'd, yeah, I've never been to Austin. I came to Houston a couple years ago in, uh, in 2008, and like I, I, it was a whirlwind kind of thing, so I felt like I didn't really get a chance to really sink myself into it and like get to know it, but I've always been fascinated. I grew up in the 90s, and uh, I became a Cowboys fan because the Lions did Barry Sanders dirty, and I loved what was happening. <laughs> I was like, well, listen, get him a line like Emmitt Smith, and we'd have something. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to kick it with Emmitt Smith and the boys. So I became a Cowboys fan, so I've always had this love for Texas, and I've always wanted to come, and because... And also the spirit of it is like, you know, you can come, you can make something of yourself, make a name for yourself. And it's very like this rugged individualism that kind of defines it. And I feel like that's in, emblematic of my journey. You know, yeah. I had to define myself. And, you know, I love people. I love having support. But you kind of have to know when you got to dig in and make it happen. I feel like Texas is all about that. And that's what Texans, you know, kind of embody. So I've always wanted to have some sort mm-hmm. of a connection here. So coming into Austin um, was, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was late last night, but it was like we've been talking about it, we've been working around it. We were supposed to do more in Austin with our production, but Corona said, nah, <laughs> no. So hopefully as uh, you know, things start to get more manageable, we can actually come and do more here. But we did a little bit, so I feel like I've just been on the fringe of it. So to be here and to feel actually the heart of it has been really, really rewarding and like affirming, but it is complicated because of what's going on in the state at large, at least in terms of like the legislation, because I can tell that the people love other people and they want people to, to live their best lives. I can feel that very much, but then there's just this sense of political football that's happening with the most vulnerable of you know, our population with, the, with trans kids, where they're using it as a political, it's a political issue that's not a political issue, it's just medical care and support and affirmation from your families. Like that's, that's really what we're about, right? And so they're taking it and they're using, you know, this idea of protecting the children from harm and they're actually creating more harm for, for trans children in the name of helping. But we know that's not what it's about. It's more about like rallying your base around something, you know what I mean? So I'm glad that I'm here 
I can see what the people are really about and I can hopefully take that and amplify that. But this is not what people want for, for children. They want children to have care. They don't want parents to be prosecuted for taking care of their children. They want teachers prosecuted for affirming their students. You know, you know how many young people are committing suicide? There's like an epidemic of, of child suicide right now because of all the oppression from these people playing political games, you know? And it's like, at the end of the day, there's real people being affected by that. So if I can sort of help put that human face to, or like amplify the voices of the people who have a lot to lose, because if they do something within their community, they'll get antagonized and they have to move away, then I wanna do that. So that's kind of why I'm here as well. That's why I'm you know, wearing this shirt. It's like, hey, don't mess with these kids, you know? There's enough people here who are willing to stand up for them and to stand up for what's true and to put the truth in your face and just show you that we're just here to give people the love they need to be who they need to be, you know? You know, speaking for both of us, we were both trans kids. Yes. And I don't know that we would be sitting up here had we not had support in our communities, in our family. And so that's the kind of material conditions we can help change. And mm -hmm. I think it's so then important to talk about TV as a medium for accelerating the acceptance we need to see because we also know that a lot of the misinformation or unfamiliarity with trans kids and trans people is because of a history of misrepresentation in media. So mm -hmm. can you talk about what the response has been to Paul and to you in portraying Paul? Because I also want to say, like, you play the first black trans man regular TV character in history. <laughs> that is, we are living in history right now that's currently be, being created by you, by the team, by these stories. And so I love to hear from you what you've seen or felt the reaction to be of your character and the stories that you're telling. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of love and admiration for my character and then for me for like portraying that like means a lot to me because when you make history like it's you're like I feel like sometimes you're like out in space by yourself you know what I mean and like it's good to know that there's people you know that are like watching and like rooting and walking their own path because that you're you're up there you know yeah. so to receive the feedback that I have from people who are trans or from parents who have trans children or you know people who have trans relatives they're saying like I see you, I see that you're, I see your character, that he's loved, he has a found family, he's you know, living his dream, he's, you know, he's fully embodied, and that you, Brian, the person, are literally doing the exact same thing. It gives me hope for myself. I've had people reach out and say, I've always wanted to be a firefighter, and I never thought I could because I'm trans, and I thought if I came out, I would have to sacrifice. And it's like, I'm really happy that we're in a place where people know that there are opportunities for them to be exactly who they are and not have to sacrifice anything for going after, you know, what, what's their destiny, mm -hmm. which is amazing. And I have to say, it, it wouldn't be possible for me to be doing what I'm doing right now if there weren't all the people who came before me in terms of trans representation. We, we met actually working on uh, Disclosure. That was like when we actually, in uh, 2018, it was my first trip to LA, but, uh, <laughs> and I came to talk about like my experience as a latchkey kid watching so much TV yeah. and so many movies about what the trans representation, representation had been up until this moment. And so part of my homework for that was to kind of, A, think about things that I had seen and then, just, and then look at some things that went even before kind of I started watching TV. And I'd really traced the history of trans masculine people on TV and film. And it was, it was, <laughs> it was stark, it was stark. So first of all, there wasn't much, right? And then the things that were coming out, I think played into this idea about trans people not being 
trans people. Mm. Trans people being cis people in disguise or dressing up or you know using some sort of ploy to get something or pretending to be something they're not, which I think is what contributes to this messed up legislation passing, because right. people are thinking, oh, they're gonna pretend to be this so they can get access to that, and it's like, nobody's gonna pretend. Like, <laughs> who's gonna do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, do you, you understand? Like, I don't think they really think about the whole process of like, you, your whole day, right? You're gonna like, just imagine like for the whole day changing and navigating and going out of your house as you know something that you're not all day you don't stop right you really think someone's going to do that just to win the state championship <laughs> in like a sport in high school you're going to graduate out of like what are you talking about you know or just to go to the bathroom to maybe like if someone wants to do that they're going to do that but they're not going to change who they are and the fact that you can't imagine changing who you are should let you know that that's not who you are. Mm. You're just not trans. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am. You know, he is. But you, you know, like, it's cool. You don't have to be trans, but like, you can't dismiss our whole experience because you can't imagine becoming a guy. It's like, yes, because you're a guy. You're not, you can't imagine being a woman because you're not a woman. You can't imagine mm. being, you know, a man because you're not a man. You're not trans. That's cool, you know? But l let us, let us kind of live in, and, and do our thing. Well, I appreciate that too. And I think that is a great message to send. If you're not trans, it's okay. You're gonna get through this. <laughs> There's a path for you in this world. Since there people, are communities to find. You will have your support, okay? People believe in you, I know. Well, but, but I think you touched on quite a few things that, that we could go in all sorts of directions, but I'm struck by you know, you looking at the history of representation and also the fact that 911 Lone Star is so much an ensemble. Yes series mm -hmm. and I would love to hear more from you about what you think the significance or impact of that is because there are quite a few diverse characters within this world mm -hmm. and traditionally we maybe haven't seen uh, trans characters within communities so mm -hmm. I'd love to hear from you from both that perspective and learning about what it means and what it takes to be a firefighter because you don't just put on gear and look hot like mm -hmm. I imagine there's I mean <laughs> <laughs> I mean. There's more to it probably, right? I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, something I, I really enjoy about this show is, yes, it allows you to kind of get to know this trans character, but also you get to know so much about him outside of that mm -hmm. experience. Like, it informs, like, who he is, but it's not all who he is, and then that's not what the show is all about, right? So you get to see, like, how much more life there is, and then how much how much we bring to each other when we come from our own unique experience. So like nobody's trying to be like Paul. Paul's not trying to be like anybody else, but they all work together and they respect you. That's something I really mm. liked about just the concept of why Owen put the, the firehouse together. And mm -hmm. like, you know, people wanted to write it off like, oh, it's super woke and it's this, and it's like, no, no, it's, it's, it's what the world is. And it's what you need to do to, to function because everybody that he brought into the firehouse was overlooked mm -hmm. because what made them different was looked at as liabilities, but really it was their greatest assets. So if you put all these differences together in one space, you, you will see how, how well they work together mm -hmm. and how they heighten each other and how they play off each other. So that's, that was something I thought was really beautiful to see uh, just on a larger conceptual level. And then just, that's the world we live in. Like you don't get to pick often who you work with. Yeah. So it's like, how can we work together without me trying to make you more like me or without you trying to make me more like you? It can work and it can be beautiful and it can you know, create a more powerful, impactful, and effective you know, like, 
job. And I think, you know, being a firefighter, you need a team and you need to be able to trust the person next to you. And you need to, um, you need to know that they have your back no matter what. And so I really like uh, that it's a family and it's a found family. So here's like another example of family structure. And family doesn't have to mean like who you're related to by blood. It can mean like who you are connected to on this deeper level. And all of our characters had to find those connections. So I feel like it's a really cool guide for people who, who watch the show to kind of see like, this is how you can kind of navigate the world. This is how you can kind of get through the things. And these things that you feel like you have to hide or shave off or change or die, dial down is like, no, that's what helps connect you to people mm. more. Those are the little jagged edges of the puzzle piece, you know? Mm -hmm. So keep your, don't, you know, the, the puzzle's not gonna work if you file all the edges off. You just have, you know, Bunch of weird, <laughs> weird squares that just don't touch. Like, it's like nobody wants that. But it's like if, when you find your little connections, you're like, oh, I just kind of mm. rotate this way and look at things from your perspective this way a little bit. Oh, we fit. And, you know, we make mm -hmm. something really cool and really whole. And I feel like the show really, really shows that. That's really profound. And I'm going to take that away after this conversation that we all are puzzle pieces. We don't have to change our shape in order to fit. No, you might just have to go on this side. You might be an edge. You might I'm be an edge. I'm definitely an edge. You know, for sure. or you might be a centerpiece, and everybody, you know, just take a little bit of everything. You know, we don't know, but you just gotta move around, and then you just kind of find your place. But don't change your shape. Mm. You know. Well, and I think again, I have no idea where we are in time, so someone's gonna have to give me yeah. signals. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about not changing your shape because. Many people don't know that how you came into acting in this way that people now really know you for, you were in working at community centers, you were mentoring youth, and so I would love to hear from you in not compromising mm -hmm. or changing your shape, how have you navigated your identity as an advocate and an actor and how do those interrelate? Because I also know you're board members of different LGBTQ organizations. So would love to hear from you how you balance being an actor mm -hmm. and the other identities that you also hold. Well, I think it was just, I do a lot of like self-reflection. I found like, especially when I was in New York and just broke and I didn't have no money to go anywhere. It's like, I'm gonna spend a lot of time with myself. Yeah. Uh, so like there would just be a lot of self-reflection and I really started to ask like, okay, I went through a lot of stuff, and I learned a lot from the stuff that I went through. So I'm like, why did I go through all this stuff? And I felt like, well, the talents that I have are in storytelling and you know, performance. So I was like, all right, okay, I went through some stuff. These are the tools you gave me, so I wanna figure out you know, how I can how I shape that. And I wanna perform, but I have all this stuff on me telling me like, why I shouldn't perform and why you know, people aren't gonna see you this mm -hmm. way. And you know, so I, even though I've always acted, I've always wanted to act, there was this period of time uh, especially um, while I was like transitioning and like just getting to be myself in my own body where I was like I don't know if I could ever act because maybe if I act and they find out about my identity I'm never going to get cast or you know I just had all these fears that were you know justifiable yeah. but they kept me from really doing it so I did a lot of acting adjacent work where I was like I'll teach some acting to the kids and <laughs> get into their little movies and you know <laughs> it's like it's for the kids like why is the teacher in all the movies like, you know so, <laughs> so I was like I'm doing this acting adjacent stuff that kind of fed uh, my mission as well, which was like, I want to get people to think. I want to share what I learned mm -hmm. from the things that I've gone through. So either I can produce these things or I can teach kids how to use their own voice. So I was doing that. Then I got to the LGBT center and I'm like, it means a lot to just be physically visible as a trans man living my life for, for these people. So that's something I'm going to do. But I realized not everybody can make it to the center in New York. So mm -hmm. there's all these kids who aren't having access to this and like I, I want to reach more kids I want to reach more people because I knew what it meant for me to have somebody like that and I'm an actor so it's like 
I can't be sitting here telling these kids, don't let anybody bump you off your path. And it's like, I'm clearly bumped off my path. <laughs> I have to get back on it. So I, what better way to do that than to like really try? So I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to focus on being the best actor that I can be because I want to reach where I want to reach. So I went back to school and I did like acting training. I just was really locked in on learning the business, learning the acting and really going for it in a way that I hadn't really committed for. And so once I felt like I was acting, I knew the business, I got the agent, I did some commercials, I'm kind of, you know, making my way and, you know, working up the ladder. Then it's like, okay, I'm an artist. What can I bring to this movie or to this commercial that nobody else can bring? What's the perspective? What's the interpretation? What's the experience that I can color it with? And now I feel fully embodied. I did my therapy. I, you know, I, I feel supported. I've processed a lot. I'm ready to I'm ready to explore this aspect of my personality and my, my experience, my identity, in my work as an artist. Mm. And then what do I want to say when I get there? So once I was in that space and I was focused as an actor, then it was like, that's what I'm going to prioritize. I want to act, but I also want to, I want to be the representation I didn't see. I want, to, I want to be what Laverne Cox is to me right now, where she's a black trans woman and she's playing a really fleshed out, authentic trans woman on uh, Orange is the New Black. And like, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to talk about. So I locked mm. in on that. And then from 2016 to 2017, like I was able to do it. I was able to, uh, I worked on uh, Queen Sugar. I got to play a trans male character there and it was like this really beautiful, again, a really fleshed out person, just like uh, I think two scenes it was. And, but it was just like, there was so much in it that I hadn't seen before that no one had really seen before that I felt like it lined up with everything. So I'm in the work and I'm doing it and I'm talking about it within the work, but now it's like, not everybody watches this show. So I have to take my advocacy further. And now people are coming to my, my Instagram. I actually have a platform. They're, they're seeking me out. So I need to, I want to make sure I'm talking to, to things that are rooted in my experience that are true, that are helping other people do their thing. And I'm reaching more people. So that's when I leaned more into my advocacy mm -hmm. and started looking for organizations in ways that I could, um, I don't have to start from scratch and create organizations because they're already here. Like working with GLAD as I crafted how I was going to talk about my experience in a way that honored my experience, but also honored the movement in general as, you know, as the trans representation was, was reaching out. I was like, I want to make sure I'm speaking. Because, you know, sometimes people feel like they want to be an ally, but it's like they don't feel like they're experts and like they don't want to say the wrong thing. Like, I felt like that too. I was like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. People are putting in work. People have really been out. Like, I realize, like, I may not be somebody who is organizing a rally and, like, boots on the ground. I'm not the one necessarily going to City Hall or, like, speaking to senators and whatnot. I'm an, I'm an artist, but, you know, I can still do more, um, more to support the larger from, like, my, my space. So the advocacy by joining organizations, by speaking and participating in panels and things that GLAD would do was helpful. And then further, as I'm now like having a larger profile on television, I'm doing the things you know through my work. I'm you know connecting with Glad. I'm, I'm speaking on my platforms. Then I realize the senators aren't listening, <laughs> the lawmakers aren't listening, and I don't have time to go out to that. Mm -hmm. But there's organizations like HRC that that's what they do. They are sending lobbyists to counter the voices that are saying, you know, this is a problem. We have to stop this. They're like, no, this mm -hmm. is not a problem. Love is love. Equality matters for everybody. This is what we need to do. And like, how can I support that? So I became a member, and I was like, I'm going to join the board of directors because y'all don't have no trans people on here and talking about trans stuff. So I don't know where the black people at. So, so let me join the board to sort of help how we're shaping, you know, what's going. On. And they were like, let's go. So being a board member for a large organization that's doing the work that helps amplify the voices of, I feel like now I've found like a balance. So like, when I'm in production, I'm in production. I'm doing what I can, but hopefully the work I'm doing as an artist 
helps, which I feel like it does. But then outside of that, then it's like, let me let me do um, uh, HRC and then let me do Outfest because I know how art works. And I can only be in so many movies and TV shows. And there's all these other people with these other experiences and these other like voices who are trying to learn. So Outfest is a film festival, but also a like incubator for, for filmmakers, people who want to make movies to connect and make stuff and get their work out in the world. So let me join this too and also be this black trans voice. Like where the black trans masculine people at? And make sure that that's, that's kind of, you know, being there. So just following, listen to myself for one, mm -hmm. for sure. Listening to the higher power that, you know, comes through myself and, and trusting that in, this, in spite of things. Because you know the voices of opposition are there. And then sometimes people who are in your circle want to talk to you. And they think that they're coming from a place of love. But they're really just offloading their fear onto you. So then you mm. won't do something that you are being called to do because somebody's trying to give you some practical, some words of advice, you know, because they're scared or somebody told them not to do something. And so I had to kind of work my way mm. through that as well because, you know, people, people who love you, they want to protect you. Yeah. And sometimes they'll give you advice thinking that they're protecting you from something that they're afraid of that you weren't even afraid of until they brought it up. And like, well, damn, now I'm scared. <laughs> I didn't think... I mean, it's gonna be a problem, but now you say it, you know. So it's like having to, like, no, like, wait, no, 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 no. What do I want to do? Like, want to do, not yeah. have to do, yeah. not was told to do. I think that was the nice thing about the pandemic was like everything was stripped away, and there was a lot of like you know, all this stuff. I gotta go here, and I gotta just like I don't gotta do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm sitting here, and it's just like, wait, well, what, what mm. do I like? What I'm, what, what do I want? What do I want to create? What do I want to see? And like. Not knowing and being okay with not knowing, not having an immediate answer, because at first that was scary. I was like, what do I want to do? And I was like, I don't know. I should know. I should know. And it's like, I, I don't. And then being like, that's okay. I can find out. Mm. And I can go back to what I was doing when I was a kid, where I would just listen to that little voice. Yeah. You know, that impulse you would get, where it's just like, you know, I want to go outside. And you just get up and go outside. <laughs> like, we don't do that anymore. It's like, you want to go outside? It's like, I got to sit here. I got to compute. I got to, <laughs> I mean, this Instagram post is like, no, like, follow your, remember that impulse, that voice, because it's, it's going to take you where you want to go, you know, and it's going to and it's going to clear the path for you mm. because there was all this stuff that I thought I wasn't going to be able to do because what I told I wasn't going to be able to do. And then as soon as I started going, I do want to act. I do want to be on TV. I do want to be a series regular. It started to happen. <laughs> Look at me in this room, you know, I mean, and, and that doesn't just happen, though, by accident or coincidence. It's an alignment of where you want to go and what your purpose is. And I have never seen anyone work as hard as this man either. Like, it's it's not just, yeah. you know, alignment of the universe. It's also extremely hard work. But it's easy to work hard when you're so specific and clear. Mm. Because I, when I tell you my goals, at first it was just like, I want to act. And then it was like, okay, you can act. I can act right now. I won't get paid for it. I won't, you know, it's like, I want to act. I want to get paid for it. I want to act and I want to be on TV. Wait, are you trying to tell the Oprah story right now? I mean, I could. <laughs> honestly, I could at least. I think there. you probably honestly, should. I think because, you should. I mean, honestly, it took, it took some years, but like, I'm on this thing. And I'm like, first, I'm just like, I just want to act. I don't care. I want to act. And it's like, no, I want to get paid. I want to act. I want to get paid for, you know, I want, and then it's like, I got more specific. And then I start to write it down, which was like super helpful. Write it down. So I want to act. No, I want to act. I want to get paid. I want to act. I want to get paid this much money so I can cover these bills so I don't have to do this. I want to act so I can get married because my wife is like, what you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, and it's like, no, I want to be on TV. I want to be, because I want to reach more people. I want to, 
I want to play these kinds of characters. I want to be in this kind of show. I want to work with this person. And like, by the time I got to 2017, like, I wrote my goal down. It was like so specific. It was like, I want to play a trans male character on a TV show that brings me to LA, that I'm surrounded on a, in an ensemble show, so I'm surrounded by stars, but I can hold my own because I'm confident in my ability, but I'm learning and it increases my footprint. Like that was the goal at that point. Like literally, I have a picture of it, it's in my phone. That's what I wrote, <laughs> right? So I did that and I ended up getting to LA. I'm in LA, I'm, um, me and Alex, we, we reconnected. Um, I'm like, I want to move here. I know I want to be here. I'm, I don't know that much about it. I can't get my wife to move across the country if she don't know anything about it. So let me spend three months, just three months here in LA and then I'll go back with the information. So. I ended up booking the L word, so three months is like, well, actually, you're gonna be here for six months. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm here, I'm working, and I feel good. I'm telling Alex, I'm celebrating, but like, but also, I'm, I like what I'm doing in the L word, but it's not the thing. It's not the specific mm. thing because it's a recurring role, and it's a, a character that's he's very different. I like him, but he's not the. I mean, you know, I want to, I want to, I like cop shows and I like procedurals and I want to do something physical and I, I love 911 and I, I want to do something like that. And Alex had, he literally asked me, like, what do you want? And I'm like, speaking it, like, I want this. I want. Action, I want this, I want to play, still want to play a trans guy, but I want to, this, that, and the third. And as I'm talking, my phone goes off, and it's like, audition for 911 Lone Star spinoff. And I'm like, black trans firefighter? Oh, yes, champagne. So we're like in this event, so I'm like, I gotta chill out. But I'm like, hey, let's go get some food. You know, they, they got more drinks and stuff. We're upstairs. always going first for the food. That's you know, where you can find it. I got us. the plane, I went straight to Wendy's. Like, that's just how I go. So like, let's go, let's get some food before everybody else who finishes the screen like gets the food, let's go upstairs, let's do it, right? So I'm like, this is great. And it's like, I was so excited, like I, this day couldn't get any better. And it's like, they're like, now to introduce the writer, Oprah Winfrey's like, Oprah's here? So I'm like, this is the best, Alex, what a great day. And so we watched the screen, it was great. Let's go, let's go upstairs, let's get the food. So we go upstairs before anybody else gets up there, all like pile on, we're upstairs, there's nobody up there. And it's like the, all the people with the hors d'oeuvres, I'm like, yes. So I find the lady, with like the sliders, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, girl, what's on these sliders? She was like, um, they're cheeseburger sliders. Like, yes, I know what's on the sliders, because I don't like pickles or mustard. Or two pickles. Can't, I don't like it. So she's like, um, like cheeseburger. I'm like, okay, ma'am. So she gives me <laughs> the slider, and I bite into it, and I'm like, <laughs> pickles, mustard all over. So I'm like looking for a napkin to spit it out, and I make eye contact with Oprah, just free range Oprah. <laughs> Oprah in the wild. In the I wild, mean, no entourage, like... there was no Gale, no, no, I'm like, oh, no. And like, she saw me see her, see her, seeing her, and I'm like, so I can't, you know, I just got so <laughs> Oprah, hi, um, you don't know me, but I know who you are. Excuse me? What? And if he wasn't there, y'all, I swear to God, he was there, he heard it. I said, excuse me, what? And she was like, yeah, I, Quinch, I love Twan, was one of my favorite. <laughs> and she was like, and she like, like talked about like this episode, like the episode where he, you know, had the conversation was so good. I'm like, oh, thank you, Oprah. Um, you want a slider? <laughs> she was like, are they good? I was like, uh huh. And I was like, bitch, come on, make my way with these sliders. <laughs> Redeem yourself. She came back. Oprah ate the sliders. We ate the sliders. We had a little chit chat. We had the same birthday. I'm like, I was going to meet you. I'm like, just, I'm like hanging out, I'm politicking with Oprah. Alex there. Like, Alex, take a picture. Hurry up, God. Oh my God. So he takes a picture. There's a photo with the sliders. I mean, yep. this is a true story. She ate it. She enjoyed it. Or at least she was nice enough to say she, she enjoyed pickles, it. She apparently. did like the pickles. You know, so that was cool. And then like she left, and like we were like. Trying to be cool. So, okay, okay, yeah, have a good one. We'll see you. Yeah. And then we like went behind, like it was like a sign like this. We had to like find some places. Like we like freak out. We're behind. It's like, oh my God, it's 
she knew me. She knew who I was. And I was like, that's crazy. It was like bananas, but it was like another one of these like signs that was just like, hey, keep following what you want. You know, like keep going for it because I end up, I, you know, you, I booked the show, you know, and, I, and I'm on it, but it was like, I had to be honest with myself and stop being afraid of being honest about what I really wanted, which is like, I want that, you know, and like not letting myself talk myself out of it or like ghosts of other people who aren't even in my life anymore, but I still carry their voices around telling me like, you shouldn't do this. It's like, get out of here. I want to do it. You know what? And not to make everything about trans things, mm -hmm. but there is something here. When you know yourself, when you really listen to the voice inside, you will lead yourself on the most uh, most authentic and purposeful path. And I tell you, I wouldn't listen to myself as much as I do now if I wasn't, if it wasn't for my trans experience. Because I got to a point, I remember it was like 2004, and I just felt so isolated. And I realized like, it's, I'm the only one who knows what I'm going through. Like, my mom doesn't know. I've tried to, she, she has, everybody has their own investment in who they want me to be. Everybody does. I couldn't talk to my pastor about it because he, you know, my friends, they don't, people don't understand. Even other yeah. trans people, they have an investment in like, you know, this, and I'm like, no, but it's really just me yeah. <laughs> and my maker. Like, and it, it was just, and like, it was, I was like, I'm the expert on me. Mm. I'm the expert on me. I have to tell other people and no, like, I, there's, there's nothing else, whether you believe me or not, it's like, I just know. So that moves me through everything. It's like, no, I know I can do this. You might not think I can. You might not understand this. You may want me to be this way and you may love me, which is a hard thing mm -hmm. to do. You love me and you're in my way because mm -hmm. you don't know. But then what ends up happening is when you follow what you know and then people see, they go, oh my God, I'm so glad you did this, like me too. I mean, I, I think that's a perfect place to end, you know, it, it, coming back to where we are in Texas, let kids listen and lead us. Listen, they know. They, they know. know. They know what they're talking about, you know what I mean? Like, they know. And they're children. So your job is not to control them, it's to corral them, protect them from the other stuff. And as they get a little older, just move the fence out a little bit more, but just corral them and let them do their thing, let them learn from their mistakes. And then when the time's open, you let the gate out, but they know what they're doing in there, you know what I mean? And they'll tell you. They'll tell you when they're ready to push that gate out, even if you don't want to. But listen, listen to kids, listen to them, because they're, they know. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for being here, um, for your candor, vulnerability, and I will just say as what I want from you, but it may not necessarily be what you want, mm -hmm. I want you as the first trans man Barbie, because I saw Laverne Cox is Barbie now. So I would love to walk through the aisles of Target yes. and buy an action figure of you. Listen, Mattel, um, okay? Hi, <laughs> hi. <laughs> I'll send you my proportions, okay? Uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for being here. Yes. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. You have been listening to the TV Campfire Podcast, hosted by ATX TV co-founders Emily Gibson and Caitlin McFarland, and produced and edited by Sarah Light. This conversation was recorded live at ATX TV Festival Season 11 in Austin, Texas, between June 2nd and 5th, 2022. For more information on the festival and becoming an ATX TV member, follow us at ATX Festival or visit atxfestival.com.